Hello and welcome to the National Leprechaun Museum's Talking Stories podcast. It's myself, Mark, again for episode 47 and I'm joined today by the wonderful Jade. Jade, how the hell are you? I'm good, feeling good today. First, you know, podcast of the new year. Exciting, honoured to be here. You're honoured to be here? Yeah. You're becoming a regular now on it and I know you're telling a story on a podcast in the coming weeks. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you're becoming a, a podcast regular in the museum. Yeah, it's fun to be honest. I used to listen to it before I worked here. So. Yeah, that's how you, yeah, you ended up here, kind of around the whole how the museum presents on our social media. Yeah. Had you been in the museum no, before? I hadn't. No, That's really weird. Like, <laughs> First time in the museum was the day I got the job, so. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, you came, in to, you came in to interview. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, your first time, like, doing a tour was your first day on the job. Yeah. Put you in a tour. That is strange. I always ask questions when people are applying for a job, when we advertise a job. Those four questions, which is like, you know, what experience you have relevant to what we do, um, why would you want to work in this museum? Because I think it's a place you have to want to work. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, because um, it's it's hard enough. It's it's actually difficult enough. I know there's a lot more taxing jobs out there, but one of the questions always: Have you visited the museum before? And I love people putting people in the position where they have to answer that question. <laughs> and it's always, no, I haven't, but I've had friends who are in, or I've always been meaning to go. Um, and I think if someone can answer that question, honestly, as awkward as it is, um, that's that's a good start. That's a good start. But look at you, you're, how long are you here now? Since I think it was June. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 it's, it's a whole new year. Yeah. Um, that is that is so true. How are you finding, uh, this is probably a question you should have in a, like a one-to-one, but. Speaking of, handing in my two, two weeks notice. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I'm not gonna edit that out. <laughs> <laughs> You can go, no, I did give you my keys. <laughs> but uh, I know I said this earlier on when we were just talking, because we're here in the museum, like, how you how you find it? Because obviously, like, you like this great stuff said about you online. Storytellers-wise, we all get on. Like, you're, we, mm-hmm. we love having you in. You're a great addition to this place. But it's a different kind of job. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, it's a bit of everything, really, because you get to do the podcasting, which I love. Then, you know, you have all the, the visitor interaction. I also... One of my, I think my favorite part of the job is like learning on the job. Yeah. Like the amount of like folklore I've like absorbed, not even from like trying to learn stories, but just from like being around all like you and all the other storytellers. The conversations. Yeah. I, I know, I mean, what I knew coming in compared to what I know now is a mass difference. And it's learning from customers as well. Yeah. Especially like kind of cross cultural folklore, like from people coming in from other countries and all that. But this, what we're doing now, the podcast, that's part of your life outside the museum. Because I would have like known your stuff from your About a Book podcast. But yeah. you took that up as a thing when COVID started. Yeah, yeah. So I did, I did a bit of radio like in college and I did some like community radio stuff. But then during the lockdown, I was like, let me just do my own thing, you know. So I did it all about books. Um, and then I did one on fairy folklore as well, which, yeah. you know, that was good to plan yeah, yeah, the job. Yeah. You know <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of talk about the story behind the book yeah you know um which is kind of what similar to what we do on this podcast like you listen to the story but then you kind of talk about like what other things the story tells us and yeah how and the storyteller because we've, yeah. we've got a great story from deirdre today mm. uh, and it's not a story i've ever told it's actually not particularly my style of story but that's why i love being surrounded by so many different storytellers like mm. you learn as much about them by the stories that they pick uh which is why i'm excited i won't give anything away about the story you've got coming you know what I mean, in a few <laughs> weeks, is a story that I love, and it's such a jade story. <laughs> um, 
but yeah with the with the about a book podcast like you, you've done a few of those now but is it something that you will continue after all these lockdowns and covid is over oh definitely yeah 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 i just do it as you know a nice hobby i've bought like a little small little listenership you know no yeah. pressure on it it's just a fun hobby that i enjoy because i'm a big book nerd so yeah you'd be talking about it whether you're recording or not yeah <laughs> but the whole kind of you say like a small listenership the museum is really lucky because obviously our audience comes into the museum and we actually get to tell them to their face that the podcast exists yeah but i know from my own podcast and my own videos and stuff like that separate museum it is really hard to like build an audience and i think if you're doing it like you are because you love what you're talking about it almost doesn't matter who's listening exactly yeah <laughs> <laughs> i have conversations in the museum when it's empty and it's just me walking around the place so uh, but i suppose we should get into actually deirdre's story because there's a few things we obviously we, we've heard the story we know the story well um but it brings up a few kind of interesting talking points this story so i think we'll just let deirdre do her thing so you the audience can sit back and sit back relax enjoy this story and we'll talk to you straight after County Kerry called Desmond. He would help out on the lobster pots in the fishing villages all across the coast of Kerry. One peculiar spot was Dunkeen. Dunkeen is affectionately known as the last parish before America. You see, it was a very small place and they depended on the fish and the food that came in. But one thing they didn't appreciate was Desmond complaining. Oh, how he's been a fisherman since he was 13 years of age. How he remembers every single callus, every bit of dry skin, every scar across his knuckles, and no one appreciated the help of Desmond. For Desmond would help with the ropes and look after the lobsters, but he always liked people watching. Seeing the families, the couples walking around every village. But every winter or so, there always happened to be one female by herself. Peculiar, he thought. What is a woman doing? Long black robe covering her head and a walking stick. I've never seen her with a man before. I've never seen her with children. But every winter when I come down this way to Dunkeen for lobsters, she's always by herself, carrying to and fro an awful lot of things in those bags. And one woman living by herself for years with no other ties, sure, I'd say she'd be saving quite a bit of money. So Desmond thought... Sure, why don't I follow her? He began to follow the steps from afar of this strange woman. He thought to himself, she wears black boots and is wearing a long black cloak, hooded. I can't see her face, but I know her hair is long. Oh, and silver. I can sense it. Sure, the last time I saw a female dressed in all in black, sure was the style back in Tralee. 
But that was a group of young teenagers, not one woman by herself. What is she doing? Now, of course, Desmond couldn't follow her for the whole afternoon. He had to get back to his lobsters. And he was counting them all out to sell on. I was convinced I had 16 lobsters. 16 of them right here. Ah, feck. I'll see what I can find. But Desmond couldn't sleep easy that night. For he kept thinking of that woman. The woman in the black cloak. How she would walk through the village by herself, unassuming. People would greet and say hello, but they wouldn't dare hold a conversation with her. He thought it was very odd. He decided to wake up very early the next morning. Well, much earlier than any your average fisherman. He decided to go and remember the steps he took to follow the house where this woman lived. Past the craggy rocks, she had no neighbours. I dare she had no friends, he thought. He travelled all the way to the top of a cliff and he found the house of this strange woman. Oh, it was peculiar. Architecture pointy, the chimney not smoking. He had a chance to get inside. He found his way into the house of this woman. He perched around and found the bedroom, looked inside of drawers, inside of wardrobes, and then he found what he was looking for. A beautiful, dirty, rusty metal box with one open slit on the top. This was found hidden underneath her bed. This had to be where she was keeping her fortune. A woman who makes her own money, a woman who dare not be with anyone else. This independent sort, she is getting notions. I think it's time for me to take some of that money from her. There he slid his hand down the cold metal box. But what he found was not money, but absolute agony as the lobster jumped and with his great pincher clasped on the hand of Desmond. Oh, he screamed, ah, my fingers, my fingers, my fingers, my fingers, the blood, the blood, the blood. Oh, what a kind of curse has this woman put onto this metal box. There he picked up his loose finger. He used his shirt to wrap over the wounds and make sure not to bleed too much on the woman's floor for he dared not show evidence of the crime. He ran out of the house. He climbed down the cliff the best he could, and he returned and would never dare speak of woman again. think of that I thought it was great I loved the way she kind of built the suspense the whole way up yeah she know? has the her storytelling voice that she does but it is she's made the story kind of creepy yeah but if you remove all of her wonderful little kind of like tones <laughs> that she uses it's a really basic simple story yeah it's easy it's a good one to you know if you came here to the museum and you heard that story it's a good one to take home with you it's yeah. an easy one to remember there's not all these crazy names and everything um but yeah, I love the way she built the suspense in that story. Yeah. 
like, and I creeping don't know. up to the house and all that like is really it's got like a real kind of I don't know feels like the famous five kind of like mystery vibe to it of approaching a creepy yeah. old house but uh, stories like that always make me kind of feel a little bit bad for the well in this case the woman in this story because and I've spoken about it before on other podcasts it just makes me think of there's always that one slight this person in your area that stands out Mm-hmm. And as a kid, they're a witch. You know what I mean? Or you stay away from it because that house is haunted. Yeah. All just But when you look at it, it's normally like an older person who the house is a bit run down. They haven't gone out and cut in the grass. And there's a very real element to it that's actually kind of sad. Yeah, I think when you listen to that story, everybody kind of has a picture in their mind of someone yeah. that they know yeah. when, they, when they hear the story. Unless you're an awful person and you don't empathise with them at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's out there listening to this and they're going, oh no, I'm that person. <laughs> but I think the villain in that story is the guy. Oh, definitely. What did like, it he's, like, he's painted it in such a way that, oh, she's clearly bad and that justifies his misdeeds. Yeah. Um, and the lobster is just frightened. Oh, the lobster's completely insane. I mean, the lobster's a lobster. It reminds me of the fable of the scorpion and the frog. Yeah, I heard you that, know one. that one. Yeah. It's like, I mean, a lobster's going to be a lobster. Yeah. But that guy, how they set him out, even from the start of the story, and they have him, like, where he's, like, getting quite defensive as a person, and he's justifying how hard he works. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have to tell people how hard you work, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> straight away, you're a bit of a dick. Pardon my language. What I was thinking about that story... Is like, did the box have water in it? Yeah. Yeah, it did. No, sorry, yeah, that is a thing to think yeah. of. It's like, if it's a, like a lobster cage. Because like, how long can a lobster survive out of water? I don't know, I've never spoken to a <laughs> lobster. That's actually not true. I have actually spoken to a lobster. How did that go? I literally went over to it in a lobster cage down in Cork in the 80s and said, hello, Mr. Lobster. I got a really vivid image <laughs> of it. So the first time I'd ever seen a spider crab. Have you oh, ever heard of it? Freaky they're looking. terrifying looking. Yeah. But there's that thing of the whole, like, the sea is such a mystery. Yeah. Anyway, you know. My favourite story is to tell her the ones about the sea. It's terrifying. Yeah. And Lenny, obviously, you know Lenny, because you work with Lenny. <laughs> Lenny doesn't like the sea. Lenny doesn't like things that are underwater. Um, if you can't see it, then it's like the idea of it is terrifying. Mm-hmm. But seaside stories are brilliant. Yeah. And I think fishermen are naturally superstitious. Definitely. Like if a fisherman saw you on the way down to the boat in the morning, they'd turn around and go home. What? What are you trying to say about me? Because you've got red hair. Yeah. Uh, And that's that's one of those things. It's a superstition. The fisherman won't go out to see if they pass a red-haired woman. Uh, Not you specifically. Yeah. (laughs) Just your hair. Even if it's dyed red, is it ginger? Even if I assume that was natural. I assume that was natural. (laughs) I wouldn't know. I'm bald. but yeah, fishermen are very superstitious and like give great stories. But I suppose it's quite an isolated job as well. Yeah. And I think a lot of these stories like this one, it's normally one person who's experienced something on their own. Yeah. So there's no one to confirm or deny what happened. Yeah, that makes me think about the ending. Because the ending is just him walking back down the hill. But we were saying, like, what would happen next? Yeah, and I think good storytellers do. I mean, we always change the endings to our stories. Anyway, yeah. we all we all do that. You'll see the bones of a story that we all tell will be the same, and we'll finish it differently. Yeah, you know, sometimes you got to put a nice happy ending on a story. Um, sometimes you want to make it as dark and as horrible and 
traumatize the listeners as much as you can. But in this story, she left it fairly open. Yeah. You know, but I do imagine him going off back down to the fisherman with his injury and demonizing, you know, the woman even more, like, and making her out to be the villain. I imagine him being, him being so frightened that he doesn't tell anybody and he never speaks of it again. I'd like that to be the way it is. But yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, the guy deserves his injury. He broke into her house. Yeah. He sees a woman that acknowledges that she's like independently wealthy and he's suspicious of that because of course a, a woman could, can't make her own money. Yeah. Um, for the record, I, that was said sarcastically. Um, <laughs> but that's the way he sees it and it's almost like she's not entitled to her own wealth. So he goes and, and decides to take it for himself. He's like, oh yeah, this independent woman looks like a danger to society. I'm going to break into her yeah. house. <laughs> yeah, she probably reads books as well, Jay. Do you know what I mean? Like, He's trying to stomp that out. But I suppose we judge these stories by modern standards. And that's a classic kind of 19th century, kind of like turn of century, like fishing story. Um, but there is, there's a gap there at the end. I think Deirdre, Deirdre's a very clever storyteller. I think she leaves you with questions on purpose. She definitely does, yeah. Yeah. But we have access to her all the time. <laughs> so we can just ask her. <laughs> and she'll tell us then what we what we want to hear. How do you feel then in terms of the stories? Like, so you get these one-off kind of characters, you know, where that guy appears and he's never going to get mentioned again mm. in another story. How do you find that comparing it to these, like, reoccurring characters in our mythology where you have the likes, like, like or you know or Fionn McCool do you like do you enjoy the one-offs it depends I like I like the grand myths because I like I like the thought that's like a little chunk out of like a long saga yeah and generally when you're talking about the more you know stories of Fionn McCool there's a bit more of that magical element I mean there is yeah. sometimes in folk tales too but I kind of like the grandiose of it but um in terms of like stories in the museum, I think since you only get a little snapshot in here, I yeah. think it's sometimes more interesting just to kind of give the one-off people the folk tales because yeah. you don't have to give so much of a backstory about who everybody is because yeah, obviously you don't have to, like, yeah, understand when a tour comes in, they'd have like mixed, uh, you know, interest in the subject. Yeah. You wouldn't know who knows a lot, who doesn't know much. So you need to kind of tell your stories in a way that anybody can understand them no matter what background information they have. Yeah. And when you're like read, because obviously you read a lot, separate to Irish folklore and mythology. Yeah. Like, do you like in terms of your favorite book? And something probably pops into your head when I say, "What's your favorite yeah. book?" Is it a, is it part of a series or is it part of something bigger? What's what's your favorite book? Yeah, you could be here all day <laughs> asking that question. It really depends on my mood, but I'd say I've got two favorites: The Great Gatsby and Wuthering Heights. Okay. So. So yeah. both fairly epic stories, yeah. like. Yeah. But again. It, Contained yeah, as well. Exactly. Though. Yeah. Uh, hardly little throwaway, little like filler stories. I like to kind of tell the myths as if they are kind of self contained. Yeah. Because there are certain ways of telling them that you don't need all the background information. Oh, like, yeah. for example, Dearman and Grania. Like, we both know that's a huge saga yeah. to explain. But I just kind of select the information that would make more of a linear story. Because it's a story about two people. Well, yeah. three people. Yeah, um, you know, three and a wild pig. Yeah, three and a wild pig, um, and I think people can get their head around that. You don't have to have the background knowledge. I know myself and Paddy recently were looking at the mythological cycles, like the four big cycles of mythology, and we broke it down into seventy-four stories. Now it could be broken down further, but you can tell them. You yeah. know, 
as long as you are aware that the people in your t- people you're telling that don't have the background knowledge, a good storyteller should be able to get across quite simply. Yeah. Have you ever heard the story of um, Nera and the corpse? What one is that again? Give me that. So Nira is I've got the feast at sound with Maeve and Emil and he goes off and he's got the body attached to it. I think there's big epic stories like that which are part of an overall kind of like arc. Um and then you see a story like Tygo Kane and the Corpse. Yeah. And it's like a folk version of it. Where it's like, what can I do with this story to make it travel better, Mm -hmm. easier to understand and make it a bit more I, the term I use is bubblegum or, bubble or popcorn. <laughs> Something you can just kind of consume yeah. and enjoy, you know. <laughs> um, and I think you could probably take big epic stories like the story of Dear Grania and change the characters and make it a folktale. Definitely. And especially if you understand the story well. Yeah. But it would make me wonder then, what is the, what's the bigger story, the bigger version of that one Deirdre's done? Like Deirdre's told that story in like, you know, in under six minutes, which I couldn't do. <laughs> but yet she fits in all these descriptions and the, I just I love Deirdre's voice when she's telling the stories yeah like in the story if you break it into points like not much happens no. but the way Deirdre adds like she really enriches the story with all the yeah. suspense and the descriptions and the blood the blood the blood the blood, <laughs> I, the blood. <laughs> I love when she does that that's amazing yeah, like, I think if, if it's enriched when you know Deirdre yeah. And you can see Deirdre's face. Yeah. <laughs> or even if you, go, if you go onto the Instagram, there's stories where you can see the storyteller, like a video of the story. You yeah. can see the way she tells stories there, all the hand movements and everything. Well, that's what I wondered, like, should we start, like, videoing the podcasts as we make them? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, well, people can comment and let us know or drop us a message, but that would be an interesting one. Um, I think I'd enjoy it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that brings us to the end of talking about that story because we have more stories to go and do and more podcasts to prepare for you guys. We've also got the museum open at the moment. And the thing is, like, most of the people listening to this are spread out all over the world. And if you've ever been in the museum, let us know. Or if you've ever any aspirations to come visit us in the museum as well, uh, let us know about that. But there are some people who've experienced the podcast who have no idea about the actual physical museum itself. Yeah which is very strange for me <laughs> after 12 years. Cause we've got our 12th birthday this year. Woo-hoo. Coming up in two months will be 12 years. What were you doing 12 years ago? Oh gosh, I don't know. What am I, 23? I was 13. I was in first year, probably. First wow, year we're starting, starting secondary school yeah. or high school for our American listeners. That's I'm, that's a scary... We're finishing this on a scary call for me anyway. But listen, Jay, thank you so much for coming in on the podcast. I'm looking forward to the next episode, which will feature you as the storyteller. Yeah. We get to talk about you while you're not in the room <laughs> and your story. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Remember, there are another 46 episodes of the podcast that you can go and listen to. You can engage with us on Instagram, on Twitter. You can go to our YouTube channel and watch some videos that we've made as well. Or you can just straddle up to the front of the museum and come in and see us in the flesh. But for now, from the museum and myself. Jade? Oh, oh, bye. (laughs) My voice changed there. I think my voice finally finally broke. Uh, We will see you guys and we will talk to you guys very, very soon. Bye. Bye.